Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We are brought to you by the Georgia Record or georgiarecord.com. We are happy to have the War Room Posse in audience, also Caravan to Midnight's 8 million radio listeners, as well as the Conservative Daily Network in Denver, where we're syndicated across all three. I'm with my co-host, Bill Quinn. Welcome, Bill. Good afternoon, Todd. So, uh, as always, we would like you to sign up for our no-ad subscriptions, top right corner. You can see subscribe for no ads. You get access to all of CDM's 12 websites and growing around the world with no advertisements. We know people don't like ads on their phone, so please support us. Uh, turn off Fox and support CDM and get no advertising for 10 bucks a month, and there's also a yearly rate. Speaking of advertising, um, the, the, the wellness channel, or the, excuse me, the wellness company, is got has got a product out there on the market right now. It's called an emergency medical kit. We all know that something's coming. We all know that uh, you know the next virus, uh, the next lockdown, whatever it is, it's coming, and you need to be prepared to protect your family from a tick bite, from the new COVID, from some kind of bioweapon like the bubonic plague or whatever. So this kit has everything you need to really protect you from different illnesses that may come your way. Take a look. Go to twc.health forward slash CDM and use promo code CDM to get a 10% discount on this emergency medical kit. You can see the ads on all of our CDM sites as well. So protect your family. This kit covers one adult. You may want to get more than one, but please check it out. That's twc.health forward slash CDM. Use CDM for the promo code to get 10% off. We've got a packed show today. Got Senator Colton Moore, District 53. We've got Charlie's Bird, Chris Gleason to talk election integrity. Uh, so it's going to be packed. So we're going to get started. And uh, welcome, Senator. Hey, Todd. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having Good me. Afternoon. So I, I got a question for you right off the bat. We all, you know, there was an old Soviet saying that we knew they were lying. They knew we were lying, and they knew we knew they were lying. I mean, it's obvious what's going on in Georgia. There's a real problem with Fannie Willis with with, uh, you know, uh, all of the, I guess, refusal to look at the evidence in a wide range of issues in Georgia. Why do you think that is? What, what is holding our elected officials back from doing the right thing, in your opinion? You know, I think a lot of our elected officials, um, they're much older than I am. And I think they are still living in the days of, you know, happy-go-lucky 90s, early 2000s. Um, where we didn't have domestic constitutional threats like we have today. I mean, take a take a take an example of like, um, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis in Iowa taking a picture, you know, throwing a baseball with a, a cornfield and a John Deere tractor in the background. You know, that might have worked if he was running against George Bush. But most Americans today feel that the world is on fire. And so when I when I look at my other colleagues, a lot of times I, I think they're a lot of them has been in an office so long that I think their perspective is so institutionalized and not constitutionalized as it should be. Yeah. And so they're not connected to the people is essentially what you're saying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're in, we're in almost an, really another red scare, you know um, the, uh, the leftists, the Marxists, I mean, they are here and, and they are taking action. I mean, when Fonnie Willis is literally going to take political prisoners threaten them with life in prison, right? She wants to take their liberty away for life. Yeah. And all they were doing were exercising their liberty anyway, their First Amendment right to question the integrity of an election. And so, you know, you can have a reasonable conversation. I was just yesterday um, in Athens at the UGA 
football game was talking to some very left-wing attorneys. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, why are you pushing so hard on this? And I said, gentlemen, I said, whether you like Donald Trump or not, do you think he had a First Amendment right to question the integrity of an election? Do you think because it took 19 days to certify the election results that the other 18 people that were indicted, that they had a First Amendment right to question the integrity, to start taking action themselves, to, to, to right a wrong? Should they be taken political prisoners? I said, what type of precedent does that set going forward where any elected official then has to worry about the decisions that they make because they may be prey to a, uh, a rogue judicial system? And, and right now, my fellow senators, um, you know, we're all kind of split up right now. There's one group calling for a special session. There's one group that's saying we've already done our job. There's a prosecutorial commission that's going to take care of it. Uh, no need to worry. And then there's another group that's just kind of been in the middle and kind of remained silent. So, yeah. you know, bef a week and a half ago, there were some that I spoke to that were reluctant to speak out because they thought, oh, this might agitate Fonnie Willis more. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be a target is what they would say. Yeah. So when you've got people who represent 200,000 people are duly elected by their constituencies, but they are afraid to represent their constituencies because they think they may be obstructing justice, then we have a constitutional crisis. When one of my fellow senators potentially could be plucked out of the Senate, you know, if, if Stacey Abrams was governor right now, he would no longer be a senator. You know, there's another senator that's that's also a co-conspirator in all this. You know, same thing goes for him. If Stacey Abrams, you know, if he if, if charges are filed against him if, and Stacey Abrams was a governor, he could be picked out. So how does one district attorney who is a state official who is obviously neglecting all of her normal duties constitutionally, right? When, when mm -hmm. half of the inmates at the Fulton County Jail have yet to be charged with a crime, you've got Eighth Amendment violations, people dying of bed bugs who have yet to see the courtroom. You know, you've got uh, young thug and young slime who have been there uh, for a year in the courtroom. They've yet to pick a jury. So crime mm -hmm. continues to go up in Fulton County. And this district attorney who has a constitutional duty to provide justice is literally scaring senators into taking action because they are worried she will target them next. Very dangerous situation we have here in Georgia. Let me ask you, you know, you have at the fish fry, you had all the people surrounding Kemp protecting him at the gate. You had nice uh, women from Georgia down at the tables telling people they couldn't come in. Um, I just find what, what are these people thinking? I mean, are they just willfully blind? Are they, like you say, just caught up in some kind of past way of doing things, but they're, they're enabling criminal activity at the top of the Georgia you know, administration. I, I don't understand it. Do you? This is how I think that went down at the fish fry. And for yeah. your audience who doesn't fully know what, what went down. Um, and I've talked to many people who were there, mm -hmm. um, you know, people on the executive committee of the Georgia GOP, you know, essentially you had Mr. Chan, I guess is his name. Who's the, mm -hmm. um, you know, who leads district eight down there. And I don't know if he was having conversations with the governor or what, but, you know, apparently the ruling class of the Georgia Republican party didn't want to see people in there talking about election integrity. So literally they, they, they used armed force. They used police officers to remove mm -hmm. people. Okay. I heard a story. Uh, there, there was a, um, a lady who have, uh, was of Cuban descent who was literally crying outside 
who was saying this is exactly how it started in Cuba. This is why my family left Cuba. Now, she's saying that outside of a Republican Georgia fish fry just being escorted out by armed police officers. You know, and then in the meantime, finally some people, and remember, they're wearing T-shirts that say paper ballot, please. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You've got a First Amendment right to wear a T-shirt that says paper ballot, please, especially at a Georgia Republican, uh, whether you like paper ballots or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then finally, some of them get, get before the governor, and the governor just becomes an arrogant, an arrogant governor, you know, and, and even says, well, if anybody gets to the machine, they can hack it. And then realizes that he's being recorded and then becomes even more angry, runs away. Um, you know, to my understanding, when he spoke there at that convention, no one was even listening. No one cared. Um, so, you know, Nazism is all around us right now. The authoritative nature of the district attorney taking on political prisoners, not allowing them to express their First Amendment rights, and then within the own Republican Party. You know, so when I get threats from my uh, my caucus, my Senate caucus, that I've went too far, that I've broken the rules, that they might vote me out of the caucus, I say make my day. Vote me out. Because if you guys are going to call yourselves Republicans and have people escorted out of a fish fry for wearing a T-shirt, or not being willing to stand up for your fellow American who is being treated very un-American by being taken political prisoner, then you are an enemy to freedom. That's what you are. And any enemy to freedom, you're no different than, than Fonnie Willis herself. Yeah. Let me ask you one thing, and then I'll let Bill take it. The, the first daughter of Georgia, uh, she, when Kemp was being approached by a gentleman in a very peaceful way to ask questions about election integrity, she got in the in his face and said, back off, uh, don't go there or something. It's not worth it. Believe me. What do you think she meant by that? You know, I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot of very horrific stories, um, about threats and and things that have taken place, uh, in the Kemp family. I don't know if those are true or not. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, very devastating if they are, uh, very frightening, very scary, Mm -hmm. but at the same token, you know, it absolutely is worth it. The fight for freedom is, it's never been free. I mean, think about that first wave um, of men and women who, who walked on the beach at Normandy. Yeah. When they saw their fellow American fall in the wash of the sand, what do you think they would say right now? Would they say it was worth it? What would they tell the governor's daughter? They'd say it was worth it. Keep fighting. Keep pushing for freedom. Because if we don't, they, they win. And we don't have freedom anymore. There is nowhere else left to go. You, you can't go anywhere else in the United States. You can't go anywhere else left in the world. And if we don't fight for it, we lose it. And no other generation will ever have an opportunity to speak freely. Yeah. So we've had uh, a number of guests on over the last months. And you mentioned elsewhere in the nation. For some reason, so many of these issues seem to come to roost here in Georgia. Do you have a, a feeling, a theory about why that is? How about so many things seem to to come back here? The Fannie Willis indictments, not the least of which. Um, but now, you know, these issues with our own legislators standing back and appearing to take no action. What what's your do you have a theory on this? You know, um, I, I've I've observed a lot of things over the last week. Um, one of which was uh, the majority leader in the Republican House, um, Representative Chuck Estration, and I don't know if you saw his letter or his his big post on Facebook. 
Um, but he seems that, oh, just let let the judicial system work. They're doing a great job is kind of the way he he let on. Hmm. So is this man really a Republican? I mean, he's considered the majority leader of the Republican caucus in the Georgia House. But his statements don't seem like a Republican. They don't seem like statements that representatives in Northwest Georgia would be making. So why in the world did they vote him as the majority leader? Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of Democrats that have chosen the Republican name for convenience of getting elected. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, um, abiding by the creed at which they swore, they are not very good at. And I think that's what is floating to the surface right now. And, and that's why so many of my colleagues are so frustrated with me, because I am literally bringing these rhinos to the surface and, mm -hmm. and doing it very quickly. Uh, the uh, the every time Kemp goes to the microphone right now, I feel like he just digs himself a deeper hole. <laughs> you know, like I wish the governor did a press conference every single day so Georgians could see how ridiculous this situation has become. Yeah. You know, the, the more you shine a light right now, and we have in the last two weeks, the, the cockroaches go running and, and they are they are finding everything to hide behind. I love it when 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 senators and representatives say, well, the, the cost of a special session would be too great <laughs> as if to say that they're so conservative that we couldn't dare spend forty thousand or fifty thousand dollars a day on a special session. We have a $32 billion budget. So let's do some decimal points. It's like 0. 0.00001 or something like that percent of the budget, $50,000 to have a special session. So I think that's a great use of taxpayer money. Meanwhile, we can spend $4 billion or so on film tax subsidies, right? And an industry that's, that's providing nothing for our state except bringing more liberals and changing the culture of our state. So to answer your question, you know, we're, we as Georgians are subsidizing to the tune of about $250 a year per person in additional taxes to bring the film industry here to make ourselves more liberal. Yeah. yeah. To your point, this was uh, this was a tough week for uh, for Governor Kemp. Um, on one day, he uh, came out and unequivocally said, you know, there will be no special session, uh, echoing his comments to the lady that uh, Todd mentioned at the uh, fish fry. And then 24 hours later, you know, I've seen, he says in that conference, I've seen no evidence that would indicate any reason to look into Fannie Willis and her conduct. 24 hours later, a story breaks that shows that, um, that it include data that shows that Fannie Willis is the recipient, has been the recipient of money donations to the thousands, multi-state involved and uh, from, in many cases, donors that have no idea they even made a donation because the money's coming from somewhere else. Exactly. And, and exactly. she's in the middle of it. It appears. It appears. Yeah. So and, and there'll be more of this. And, and does, does the governor not, gov, governor not realize that the charges came out hours before the grand jury ever concluded? Is that not something one ought to be looking into or does he believe it was just a clerk's mistake? You know, because my constituents think that maybe this district attorney was doing a little bit of judge shopping. That's what my constituents seem to think. Yep. And those are the things that need to be investigated. But yet you hear a lot of my fellow Republicans that are like, well, we can't investigate in the legislature. Well, we have a prosecutorial commission. Well, how did we give the prosecutorial commission the power to investigate if we don't have the power to do that ourselves? How did we give this prosecutorial commission the power to impeach if we don't have the power to impeach ourselves? We, we weren't able to because 
we have the power ourselves. And, and isn't it true that our government is des designed to have three, you know, three um, uh, factions within it so that the other two can police anyone that seems to be acting out of, uh, you know, out of sorts? Absolutely. The governor so, keeps saying this is about separation of powers, that the judicial branch is supposed to work and the legislative and the executive branch is supposed to stay out of it. Yep. But any high school kid coming out of government class understands we have three branches of government. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing. It's the presidential system of government, right? We, we don't have a parliamentary system like Canada or, or England. We have a three branches of government that is America and the legislative branch, right? And any constitution is going to be the most important branch. Why is it the most important branch? Because it's the branch closest to the people, right? We also have the most powerful checks and balances, the most powerful being the purse. We get to control what we tax citizens. We get to control how we spend the money. And my constituents, the 200,000 people that I represent that work hard for their tax money, do not want their tax money funding Fonnie Willis. And that's why as a senator, I will continue to push for an emergency special session and I will call on any senator and any representative to continue to sign that, because if they don't, then they are not exercising their legislative authority because we but, as a legislature, we can't do anything until we're in session. So it's time to get into session and start exercising our legislative authority. Let's give some of your colleagues some kudos. Who's your biggest supporters in that call for a special session right now? So the only other person, only other senator that I have signed on is Senator Brandon Beach. And Senator Brandon mm -hmm. Beach has been a he's been a fighter from the very get go, uh, especially when it comes to election integrity back in 2020. So, you know, the um, the, the I think the senators who didn't sign on to the um, the caucus uh, statement, the caucus statement. I don't know if you guys got to see that, but basically the uh, the Senate Republicans say that uh, the special session would be too costly, uh, that it's disingenuous, uh, that it's just nothing but political theater. They also say that uh, the prosecutorial commission, you know, in which they led is going to save the day uh, and they have full faith in it. But let's not forget that the prosecutorial commission is still being challenged um, legally. It may not um, maintain Supreme Court muster. It may not be constitutional because if it takes, what, two thirds to uh, impeach somebody uh, in, in the legislature, how can an unelected bureaucrat impeach somebody? So that, that's one constitutional challenge. The other thing is this prosecutorial commission has yet to meet. They haven't met yet. Hmm. And once they do meet, they have to establish rules. Now, the law says that once those rules are established, they have to go before the Supreme Court and they have to be found constitutional. So look at all of this added bureaucracy, all of this red tape that, that they're saying, we created all this red tape and that's going to that's going to save the day for us. Um, you know, it's, it's really unbelievable. Meanwhile, they have the Constitution, which did that for them a long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think you've got Senator John Albers, Senator Blake Tillery, Senator uh, Greg Dolezal, um, Senator uh, Matt Brass. Um, I don't know. There's there's only a there's only a handful uh, mm -hmm. that didn't sign on to that letter. And, and so they're kind of in a neutral space right now themselves. And and hopefully I can convince them to come over and, and call for a special session. So that begs the question, you know, folks are, there's a lot of folks going to see this and a lot of folks have, have got eyes on. I think you're probably hearing that from around the state as well. What should they be doing to send a, a direct um, and appropriate message to their representatives, whether they're in the House 
or the Senate? What should they be saying to them that will get them off their uh, their behinds and get them to act appropriately at this time? So so um, when you call up a senator or representative or you see them at your GOP meeting and you say, why haven't you called for a special session? Probably the first thing that they're going to tell you is they're going to say, oh, Colton, Senator Colton Moore's call. It's just all political theater. He's just using this to raise money. That's what they're going to tell you first. And so the response to that is, why are you more worried about your fellow Republican, Senator Colton Moore, and you're not worried about Fonnie Willis, who has indicted Donald Trump and 18 others on ridiculous charges, some of which the only evidence is a tweet for simply questioning the integrity of an election in the 19 day window that the election results weren't certified. OK, then they're going to say to you, they're going to say, well, we don't we don't have enough votes. We don't have enough votes. And at that point is when you ask them, why aren't you one of the votes? I voted for you. You said you were a conservative fighter. You said you love Donald Trump. Why are you not one of the votes calling for a special session? So that should nip that question in the bud. And then they're going to tell you, well, we have a prosecutorial commission that's going to take care of things. And that's when you should remind them, does this prosecutorial commission, is it going to stand up to constitutional muster in the court? And, and give me a time frame, Senator or Representative. When do you think Fonnie Willis will be ousted by that prosecutorial commission? Because all of these senators and representatives are going to have egg on their face if Fonnie Willis is not removed by that prosecutorial commission, especially when their constituents are calling them so much. They're calling them so much that in some cases, to my understanding, the GBI has even advised other members of the General Assembly just to put your phones on Do Not Disturb, quit taking the calls. There's too many threats coming in. <laughs> you know, I've got senators calling me and they're like, don't you understand? Like, I can't even go out to the baseball game right now without without people accosting me. Those people that you represent, you're worried about them. The people that hired you. Right. <laughs> the, uh, gosh, the, the other thing that you, you mentioned and touched on it earlier is while all this is going on, while we have all this uh, confusion and, and dismay over what Fanny's done, it's important not to overlook what she hasn't done. Um, That's right. There are true issues in Fulton County that are being left unaddressed from what I understand. Fifth, I'm hearing numbers from 15 to 18,000 cases that should have other activity already been done on them and are sitting languishing because seemingly all the focus is on, you know, get Trump and right. get Trump supporters. So how, and why aren't we, you know, Bill, why are we having that conversation with Democrats? Why aren't all the GOP senators and representatives signed on right now? And why aren't we, you know, if we want to make more Republican seats in the General Assembly, we should be going down to Fulton County right now as a group and saying, you want criminal justice reform? Do you want to see Eighth Amendment violations in your jail and start putting the pressure on these Democrats? You know, I mean, for. For the life of me, I don't understand why Republicans are too afraid to make contact with the inner city black voter. I mean, we have a freedom and liberty is one of the most beautiful messages that one can articulate. And for some reason, we we're just leaving it to the leftists to create chaos in the city of Atlanta. Well, I think truth is making its way through in many cases, too. If you noticed um uh, at the um, when folks gathered outside the jail when Trump was coming into town, that group inc included a, a large contingent of blacks for Trump as the as the uh, uh, caravan of cars came through town. 
people were out in all areas of, of the city as they came through, you know, shouting support for President Trump, regardless of their background. Right. You know, it's kind of funny. One of the things that um, I think folks are beginning to see is that the, the interests that people have, that their families have, may not vary as much as we've been taught across various groups. And maybe, maybe we all kind of want many of the same things and there's commonality there to be found. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget about one of the great warriors of justice right here in our home state of Georgia, um, Martin Luther King Jr., Yep. Right. And, and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's exactly what we're living in right now. Uh, this is, you know, the, the governor says, oh, I don't know what constitutionality is really being broken. Just read the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights, the right to petition a government, right, the right to speak freely. And if you can't see that, if you are not a judge of, of the Constitution um, and you can't see that, then you ought not be governor. Well, I think you're right, Colton, is that many of these people are not Republicans. They're sure, certainly not uh, America firsters and infiltrator, whatever word you want to use. But they, we, we've got a problem we have to deal with for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm going to continue my fight, my push. Um, you know, I mean, the caucus, you know, wants to threaten to, to vote me out. We'll let them vote me out if they want to. It's not going to stop me. As I've said before. Um, I don't care what relationship with any other senator, any other caucus, the governor, any any I will sacrifice them all in the pursuit of freedom. Uh, I am taking a very hard principled stand on this. And that's what I swore when I swore an oath to the to the Constitution when I became a senator. You know, I mean, I, I'm duly elected by my citizenry. I told them that I was going to fight tooth and nail for election integrity, that I was going to fight for justice and freedom. And that's what this fight is. It's an animated contest of freedom. And, you know, Sam Adams had a great quote about an animated contest of freedom. He said, you know, if we if, if you're not if you're willing to uh, the tranquility of um, servitude more than an animated contest of freedom, then go from us in peace. We ask not your counsel or your arms, you know, and that's about where I stand today. Well, we could talk to you all day, Senator, but uh, we got to move on to the rest of our guests. But uh, thank yeah, you for absolutely. coming on. Really amazing conversation. And we want to have you back soon. Thank you. And we'll support you in this fight as much as we can. Gentlemen, much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Thank okay. you. Take care. Wow. Was that too much rambling? or? Did... Oh, we did that again, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> uh no, you did. No, you did fine, good. Senator. You're you're all, all wonderful points. Thank you very much. So, uh, wow, Bill, amazing conversation. Uh, what a patriot! You know, you know this this notion of this becoming a binary fight. This is a choice for for freedom or not. Is going to, I think, come home to roost to many of the folks that uh, are in legislation in, um, you know, in all really all areas of government. This is going to come down to a personal choice, I think. And I think uh, I'm very encouraged to hear that choice come uh, from the senator. Well, after that interview, I want to give a message to our uh, to the governor of Georgia. Um, and essentially, governor, who do you who do you think you are? I mean, you're essentially running at a criminal enterprise. We don't think you won reelection. We don't think Raffensperger, your buddy, won reelection. Your attorney general is absent. Fannie Willis is abusing her power and has been connected to a nationwide RICO money laundering scheme, and you're silent. Georgia is being run by an organized crime syndicate, and the people are hurting. Yet, you don't seem to care. You're having secret meetings with DeSantis, with Pence, 
And yes, we know Glenn Youngkin's been in the Gold Dome talking to you, all in an effort to prevent Donald Trump to, from regaining power. Governor, what you're doing is wrong. Governor, we know the stress is creating problems in your personal life. The strain on your conscience must be severe. People are talking, and yes, we are listening. Georgia is infested with the CCP, the education system, the corporations. We at the Georgia Record were threatened by the CCP in Johns Creek, and the FBI traced it directly to Tiananmen Square. We've connected Brad Raffensperger's protege, Jay Lin, and the, to the Chinese Communist Party via his campaign volunteers in Johns Creek. You, sir, appointed Lin to the board which has influence over the Savannah port. You're trying to circumvent the will of the people with these alternative Republican coalitions to siphon power from your party. But, Governor, it's not too late. We all have our personal failures. It's time for you to do the right thing and resign. Hold a press conference. Tell the nation what's been going on. The Republic will be saved. You can go down as one of the greatest governors in Georgia history or even the nation. It's time to get it off your chest. We know your family's been threatened, but that doesn't mean you can allow the rest of America to go down the toilet. It's time to get it back. It's time to save your grandchildren's future and the future of millions of Americans. Georgia will forgive you if you do the right thing. They will immortalize you. Otherwise, Governor, the House of Cards is going to come down peacefully crashing down around you. You won't be governor anymore, and you surely won't ever be president. It's time to do the right thing. And with that, I want to hear from my sponsor, David Cross. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Bill, why don't you tee up our next guest? Okay. Uh, we had the chance in the last few days to compare notes with Charlize Bird, and let's bring her in and see what she had to say. Opportunity to sit down with District 20 Representative Charlize Bird. Thanks for coming on, Charlize. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell us what's going on in, uh, in your district right now. You uh, let's start with Colton Moore. He's calling for a special session. What, what, do, your, what do your constituents think about that? My constituents think it's a great idea. They are wholeheartedly behind Colton Moore. And so shortly after I came out with my own letter um, to the House of Representatives to do their job. And of course, we know that um, John Burns, the Speaker of the House, um, released a letter yesterday, I believe it was, um, to tell us to sit on the sidelines, gave all of the reasons why we should not be doing our job and um, said to quietly sit in a corner. And what do you hear inside the Gold Dome? I mean, what, what, are, the, what are the other representatives, what, what do they think about this? <laughs> or can you say, I should say. <laughs> um, truthfully, I do not know. I only talked uh -huh. to a couple of people at uh -huh. the Capitol that are also members of the House. Um, they are, I guess you would not all about it. They would support, but they're too concerned about uh, leadership and what may happen to their, their position and or the ability for Governor Kemp to use his PAC money now to run other candidates against us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what about yourself? Do you have a position on the special session? 
I have a yes. Um, I do believe that we should call for a special session. It is part of our duty to represent the people and what the people want out here is to have a special session so mm -hmm. that we can take this up immediately so that we can get beyond uh, where we are in the state of Georgia right now. I wholeheartedly support Colton Moore and calling out the speaker to have a special session. Well, Kemp came out earlier this week and um, said very unequivocally, you know, we're not going to have a special session. And in that uh, in, in that update, he said, up to this point, I have not seen any evidence that D.A. Willis actions or lack thereof warrant action by the prosecuting attorney oversight commission. Let me ask your opinion on that statement first, and then we'll we'll add maybe some additional data that's come up since. Laughable. Um, I believe it is um, sickening to think that the governor continues to stand in front of cameras to say there is no evidence of fraud from our elections in 2020, and certainly everything that uh, Fonnie Willis is doing right now. I mean, it is our duty to take up judicial assignments, um, anything, because it is in our code already, Georgia code. Um, I believe it's Article 7, where it states very clearly that we, the governor and or the House of Representatives, should take up actions against a judicial person and or other members of the General Assembly. Well, in, in addition, if it's not my, if, if I'm not misrecalling, the whole reason for having uh, various um, hands of government, if you will, judiciary separate from legislative, separate from executive, is so that they can ride herd on keeping each other in line. And so what, what I took a particular question with in, in Mr. Burns' statement was, well, we, we have, you know, we, we need to leave the judiciary alone. Well, isn't it part of the legislative um, charter to make sure that if there's something wrong, the judiciary uh, is called into question by the legislative branch. That is absolutely correct. But nobody seems to want to do their job that they were duly elected to do. Um, listen, when they did SB 92, which was to form an oversight commission for the judiciary, uh, excuse me, the prosecutors and or the solicitor generals, I believe it was only Colton and myself that voted against that um, because we were relinquishing our duty um, that we were elected to do. So I don't know why anyone else is refusing to do what they should be doing. What, what, tell us about your feelings about these charges against uh, the defendants. I think they're 19 now or whatever. Now we can't get into feelings. We have to get into <laughs> the real legal stuff. Sure. You know? Um, you know, it is very unfortunate. It is sad that we have come to this place in our state of Georgia and uh, across this country. Um, to me, it is dark days mm -hmm. to think that we can no longer speak our First Amendment right um, to say that whatever it is that we choose to say without being prosecuted or having some sort of indictment. And I don't really remember anyone doing anything other than expressing their First Amendment, that they thought there was a fraudulent election and that it should be handled in a, in a proper way. I also want to say, had the governor, lieutenant governor and or the attorney general had done their job back in 2020 and asked for an independent audit, we would not be in this place right now. 
That's very interesting. Very true. The, um, you had mentioned, you know, the folks just exercising their, their freedom of speech. Um, for folks that have taken the time to actually look at the indictments, they will then have seen that many of these are, are nothing more than things like people tweeting out a comment about something being on a OANN or, or something else. Um, in some cases, it's been as bizarre as um, Mark Meadows asking for someone's phone number or, tech, or the ability to send them a text to ask him a question. Um, David Schaefer, is, one of his charges is for booking a room so that they could sit and have a meeting. Sorry. I mean, these things are bizarre in the grand scheme of things. And, and um, it, I think we're going to repost the entire indictment so that folks that wish to can actually read through this. And they should, in many cases, I believe they will see you know, some of these things, I've, I've never seen anything like this been called a crime before. And, and um, in talking to folks that have much more legal background than I do, they can't believe it either. It's astounding. It, it is astounding to think that if they can go after the president of the United States and 18 other people, it is only a short time from now before they come after us. I mean, this is going to go okay. wide scope. She has been... Bonnie Willis has been given the ability to bring down anybody she wants to destroy their name and to bankrupt them. And that is horrible and sickening to my stomach that that can happen in our state and or our country. So there was some reports this week that Raffensperger's testimony appeared to support the Trump team's defense that he had that he did nothing wrong on the call. Do you, do you know anything about that? I do not. I cannot okay. respond to that. I, OK. In, in another conversation just a few minutes ago, I was given a bit of background on this and that uh, Raffensperger w appeared in federal court uh, because Mark Meadows had filed to uh, have his case separated and moved into federal court. Mm -hmm. and, and during that, um, apparently, uh, Mr. Raffensperger um, said that he and described the call as a settlement negotiation. So, in other words, they were trying to settle the question that was being posed. And it wasn't that Trump was asking for, uh, I'm paraphrasing now the, the content that I got, but it, it, there was apparently no request for Raffensperger or anybody else to violate their oath, which is one of the key um, things that apparently Fannie Willis is bringing forward. They were simply trying to negotiate what, what steps they would do to try to make sure that the right counts had been followed and so forth. And Raffensperger apparently supported this in the, uh, this testimony before the federal court. We'll, uh, we'll likely try to get the transcript from this so that folks can read it. But very interesting that that would come out, and especially on top of everything else this week. I always under, it was my understanding that anything that happened under the gold dome anyway, we were our own jurisdiction. So mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how it became um, Fonnie Willis that brought all these charges. I mean, I could be totally wrong, um, but I thought anything that happened under the gold dome was strictly our own judicial system. And um, and if I remember, the call did happen in the gold dome. That's true. Very, very good point. Um, Debbie yeah. Dooley, who you may know of, uh, brought I this do. up and had done research and asked actually some open records requests looking for anything where um, apparently the governor Raffensperger and Carr need to, one of them, or maybe more than one, need to assign it to someone else to agree that it's moving to another jurisdiction. 
according to uh, what she shared with us. And uh, there's no evidence that, that happened. There's a letter apparently from Fannie Willis offering to them or, in fact, it telling them, I'm going to take this on. That's not the same thing. So yeah, the separation of powers is, is a real problem here. What about uh, Sean Still and the fact that Kemp will go after him, but not after Fannie Willis? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Once again, uh, laughable, uh, mm -hmm. uh, astounding that he is um, going after Senator Still. Very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, he's willing to do his job there, but yet he does not want to do the job of what's really important of letting a rogue uh, DA run amok and bring all of these charges against people here in the state of Georgia. And I feel very sad for Sean still that he is caught up in this as well as everybody else. I mean, it is very unfortunate for us. Yep. Yep. What, what's your, your, what are you hearing from others across Georgia? I mean, I'm, we seem to be getting a lot, a lot of feedback. A lot of eyeballs are on this. What are you hearing? A lot. Certainly all of the grassroots across the state of Georgia are up in arms about all of this going on. And what's unfortunate is that people at the Gold Dome, they are so insulated or they insulate themselves, let hire people that are going to blow smoke and never get to the real issues or tell them the truth. So they tend to forget that there are all these people outside of that dome that want something done because, again, I repeat, if it can happen to a president and 18 others, it can happen to us. Only it could happen tomorrow. We never know. That's yeah. for sure. Get a knock on the door. That's yep. right. Yep. <laughs> Any day now. Listen. <laughs> I, th I think it's. I think it's. It's very interesting. You bring up. You know, the truth is not a hard thing to get to. You know, the. Uh, I think what folks are finding is the other side. The lies become difficult over time because you get to keep lying new ways to try to hide them. So. Very, very interesting. Correct. I do know that um, the Senate side, their phones have been ringing off the wall. Hmm. So they have been told not to answer their phone calls anymore. Um, get people <laughs> to send them an email to fill out a form to decide whether they are in their district or not. Huh. As far as I'm concerned, once you are elected by a district, but you represent the entire state of Georgia once you are elected, not just your little district. That's right. You're beholden to support the laws of Georgia, the Constitution of Georgia, if I recall, and the Constitution of the United States. Imagine that. Hmm. Charlize, what else would you like the, the people of Georgia to know about all this? That I want to do my job um, and not sit on the sidelines. Um, it, and I used a quote the other day, uh, having courage doesn't mean you're scared, not scared to death but you're going to go and saddle up and do the right thing anyway. So yes, I would assume there's Colton and I, um, we do have the courage, but we're also concerned mm -hmm. about what is going to happen. And I want everyone to know to stay with us, um, have the, let's see, have the grit to get the job done for mm -hmm. sure. Stick with us, you grassroots. We are having a rally on Thursday at the Capitol. We encourage every single person that believes in what we're doing right now to come out and show those people under the Gold Dome that we are out here in numbers and want something to be done about Fonnie Willis. Great. Bill, you got anything else? That's great. And uh, we'll have more on the uh, on the upcoming event at, at the Gold Dome uh, in the coming days on the Georgia record. So thank you for bringing that up. Thanks for being with us.
Thanks for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great rest of your weekend. Charlie's is always great. Um, she's a fighter for sure. I think, again, I think it's coming down to we're going to get to see the folks that are willing to step into this fight. And uh, we need to we need to pay attention and uh, support them where where we need to. Absolutely. We, we're stay tuned to CDM.press. We're going to have some massive news midweek, by the way. So uh, I'm just going to say that uh, you're, you're going to want to put us in your daily scan for sure this week. Um, we had a chance to sit down with Glade Miller Smith of Nebraska. After all this uh, dark information, we're going to I think you'll really enjoy this conversation we had with Mr. Smith. So here we go. Uh, extremely interesting guest today and somebody I know you're going to enjoy listening to. We're here at, at CD Media. We're, we're very focused on America first and self-reliance. And a big part of that is, is buying American-made products. And food is highly important uh, for your health and for the security of the country. So Glade Miller-Smith has joined us today from Family Farm Beef Box. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello, hello, sir. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here today. It's a pleasure to visit with you. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be sending you some of our Nebraska beef here over the last few months. If I may introduce myself, if, if you've never watched Gladiator, then you need to watch that again and learn that I'm, every man needs an introduction. So, <laughs> Blade Miller-Smith, I'm a God-fearing husband to one wife, father to six, six children in this world and three in the next. I'm a multi-generational cattle producer, livestock marketing specialist with Right Livestock, and creator of Family Farm Beef Box. Uh, I... Uh, I love a good joke, and I'm slowly, <laughs> I'm slowly learning to eat fruits and vegetables. That's 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 my introduction. That's Glade Miller Smith, and and a little bit about what we do. Um, you know, a number of years ago, we've I guess I should say many many years ago, my, my family, my grandfather, uh, you know, he was he actually moved to my area in, in a wagon pulled by mules, if, if we can think back that far, but he'd been providing uh, beef for a for the community. For, for many, many years. Um, and so that was a tradition that was passed on uh, in the last you know, decade or two. I, I, would, uh, I would provide beef for our local area. Um, I, I, I've since uh, just only increased and continued that passion to provide food for people. And so part of our message is, you know, as Family Farm Beef Box, sure, we provide beef, but we also, you know, encourage um, and advocate for families in general. Mm -hmm. And we think that as, as our country has progressed in, in legitimately so many wonderful ways, I mean, I'm not sitting here going to tell you that I'm a fan of everything that's going on in politics and this, that, and the other, but we have a tremendous amount of opportunity uh, to do things, to do good things, but within those things, life has become very, very busy. And so the idea of sitting down together as a family to share a meal uh, has kind of, gone by the wayside. The number of times a, a typical family that sits down together and shares a meal has, has continued to dwindle over the years. So we'd like to think by, by offering this uh, bulk food purchase, you know, it, typically, you know, our, our subscription customers try to plan out one to three months in, in advance. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about a full year spending thousands of bucks. We're in the few hundred dollar range. Like let's put really good uh, beef in your freezer. And that's enough of a commitment to shucks. I spent this money. I bet I better cook this up. And then you find out it's amazing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you find out it's amazing. And then all of a sudden it's, 
we hope that it's not as much of a chore to, hey, we're, we're, we're having, we're having roast tonight. Hey, we're having, we're having fajitas tonight. Hey, we're having steak tonight. Hey, we're having dry aged burgers tonight. Kids, would you, when will you be home from practice? Oh, don't, don't have supper without me. Uh -huh. well, Glade, Glade, you've made a problem for me because my wife and kids are like, hey, we're out of beef. Let's order some more. <laughs> that's, that's what, that, that is the goal. And, and so, and, and part of it is think about, think about homemade bread versus store-bought bread. Mm hmm Think about fresh sweet corn versus something from the freezer section at, at, at the grocery store. You know, should it be a surprise that uh, homegrown fresh foods are, you know, garden tomatoes versus a hydroponic tomato? Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not against those other things. I'm very grateful to be able to go to the store any time of year and buy a loaf of bread. Sure. I'm grateful for them tomatoes that I can get in January here when it's negative 20 degrees. That's kind of a little treat, even though they don't yeah. taste yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm not against those things, <clears throat> but lo and behold, it turns out that beef is not much different. And I can tell you what is going to separate our beef from commercially available available beef um, that you're going to find in most grocery stores, which has been able to, you know, you, you have one or two choices as as industries and pick an industry. I'm in the agriculture industry, mm -hmm. and ag is growing. And, and everyone is scaling. I, I, I would imagine if you're in insurance, it's the same thing. If you're an accountant, you're, you're spawning off, uh, you know, more franchises. A everyone wants to grow. But within that growth creates niches for small products that would be a value-added product. And yeah. that, that I feel like we've done. We're, we're not Walmart. Not intent. I have no intention of competing with Walmart. Mm -hmm. You know, to be a low-cost provider of, of uh, you know, average quality food. Fantastic. I, I tell my kids Walmart has everything w that we need, but uh, but chicken feed. And then I found out from somebody in Wyoming, their Walmart has chicken feed. So, you know, <laughs> we, we go to Walmart, but I'm also going to tell you Walmart doesn't have beef like ours. You know, that that's that's the difference. And what we can offer because we work with a, uh, a small family butcher shop and, and we produce here in Nebraska, I say, you know, we, we don't know that much about that many things, but we kind of got a corner on the market on beef. Like, I, you know, don't ask me about computer software, but if you want to talk beef, we're in the right spot. Well, Glade, you know, I, we've ordered from you several times and I can vouch for the fact that the taste is significantly different and better. And uh, people just absolutely love it. My wife loves the tenderloins or the T-bones. Uh, and, you know, my kids love the hamburger. So uh, I can vouch for what you're saying after ordering multiple times. I appreciate, you know, and, and these sort of conversations that I typically have with somebody just over the phone when they call mm -hmm. me, but mm -hmm. being recorded, mm -hmm. but, but I enjoy, you know, any, any craftsman likes, I mean, I assume if I made chairs, I'd love to see someone sitting in my chair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I, I, here, you know, here's a picture of a steak on a grill. You know, thanks. Thanks, Glade. We, we, we're loving it. So here's the, the secret in the sauce. Yes. We start with really good quality beef from mm -hmm. Nebraska. I mean, we I'm going to show a couple of pictures here. So keep yeah. talking. We, we've, we've spent generations perfecting the knowledge of what it means to raise good cattle. So but then we take that and, and the difference then be either of those cattle go to a commercial uh, processing center of, of a Tyson, for instance. And again, I'm not saying I'm against Tyson, but at a Tyson, but, uh, you know, slaughterhouse butcher plant, they're going to process between five and six thousand head of cattle every day on average. You know, mm -hmm. that getting the masses fed. And that is, you know, that's feeding the world. Wonderful. Yeah. 
our butcher shop is going to handle about 15 or so head of cattle every week. Mm -hmm. 15 per week versus 5,000 a day. Now, yeah. we're talking about attention to detail, hand cut, hand wrapped. And then the key is all of our beef is going to be put in a cooler for two weeks, a process called dry aging. And if, if you're not familiar with it, what happens? There's two things that happen when a, when a beef is dry aged. Very traditional, old fashioned for everyone who's homesteading. You know, you know, this, this is the way it used to be. You do it when it was cooler in the, in the fall and winter and you'd let that beef hang there. And two things happen. The first is water evaporates. Now it's not rocket science, but water doesn't have flavor. The water leaves, the flavor stays, and that's why, quote unquote, farm beef. If you ever had, boy, grandpa used to have beef in his freezer and it was so much better. Chances yeah. are that's why. The beef has better flavor because it has less water in it. How much less mm -hmm. water? 10% ish mm -hmm. of the weight of that beef has, has been uh, evaporated out, um, which is why, you know, in, in a traditional beef packing plant or a commercial beef packing plant, they're going to spray water on that beef because they don't want it to evaporate. That's pounds they're going to sell the consumer. So when you're where you really notice it is in, is in the, the ground beef, say you're making some meatballs or for or or, uh, or, or making tacos, you're grounding, browning up some ground beef for tacos. Even if you're buying lean ground beef at the store, like, oh, I only buy the lean stuff. You look in the bottom of the pan, there's still all this what you call grease. In yeah. fact, it's water. Hmm. And so uh, when you start cooking our ground beef, one, it's flash flash frozen, right? Right. Hmm. As soon as it's it's been cut. And it's a different color. It's going to be a light pink color instead of a dark red. I noticed it's, that. Yeah. It's got a different uh, texture. It's got a different smell. And then when you cook it, it's going to look different because it doesn't it, really our, our beef is approximately 85% lean ground beef. But you'll think it's more than it's less than that because there's nothing in the pan when you're done. Mm -hmm. But it still will hold shape if you want to make a burger. So the flavor and texture it's one of my, you know, one of my favorite things to hear, man, just like you said, we ran out of ground beef. We ran out of beef. We had to go to the store and buy some and woof. Like, when can we get some more? No, we're spoiled. And, uh, I'm definitely, uh, my wife is going to make me keep the freezer stocked. So, <laughs> cause you know, she likes to have people over and then all of a sudden we need more beef. So yeah. you know, it's a good problem to have, I guess. So we're, you know, as far as where we're at right now, um, specifically family farm beef is, if, and if I could explain what we offer people mm -hmm. is a conveniently sized share of an entire beef. I'm going to show a picture here. So go ahead. Yep. It's a conveniently sized. So that's actually a picture of a sample box. We, we have okay. two options. There's a family farm beef box or a sample box, which is about half. That, that's going to be half of our, of our family farm beef box. Okay. Uh, and so in that box, in the in, and you've been, I actually double checked, you've been buying the, the bigger one, the family yeah. box, and you're going to get what I call six premium steaks. The premium steak is going to be that T-bone, a uh, mm -hmm. ribeye, filet, New York strip, sirloin, uh, mm -hmm. or, or uh, a porterhouse, okay? Mm -hmm. And typically, we try to pair those in two. Sometimes you'll maybe get one filet and, and, and a T-bone or something like that. Yeah. And then you'll get nine, 10, or 11 pounds of ground beef. You'll get... You know, one, two um, roasts in there. Roasts are about two, two-ish pounds, usually two roasts. Um, sometimes it works out to three. Uh, you'll get some fajita meat, and mm -hmm. I call it fajita meat, but if you, don't, you know, if you don't make fajitas, it also works for Chinese food or a stir-fry or Mongolian yeah. or, yeah. or, or whatever. It's, it's just pre-sliced 
convenience, convenience beef. Um, and then in the summer we do a kebab, mm-hmm. you know, a package or so of kebab meat in the winter time as it gets colder, we will transition that over to a stew meat. Um, and then you'll get a, a non-premium, just a generic set of steaks. That might be a sirloin tip steak, uh, or a chuck steak, you know, don't, don't downgrade a chuck steak. If you haven't tried one, they, they're known as the poor man's ribeye. You literally, as you're cutting that beef, you're going to go ribeye, 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 ribeye. We're done with ribeyes. The next steak is a chuck steak. Gotcha. So they're, they're, uh, they're right in there next to to the ribeye or, or a cube steak, which is your traditional chicken fried steak. And if you're used to going to a cafe and you ever order a chicken fried steak, or if you think you're not interested in a chicken fried steak, that might be my favorite cut of the whole uh, kit and caboodle. Try those as chicken fried steak, put them in a cast iron skillet, bread a little bit if you want. It, it is phenomenal. So you're, you're going to have those steaks, typically four of those in a, uh, in a family farm beef box. Um, you're going to go from there to uh, what I call the variety of cuts. You know, there's things, you know, beef doesn't split evenly. Yeah. Everybody. So, you know, I, I always mention flank steak. There's two flank steaks on an entire beef. You know, skirt, okay. Okay. skirt steaks on an entire, so not everybody gets flank steak. Um, there's also brisket. Brisket is one of our very popular, like we say, make a special request if you like. And that might be, Glade, I really like T-bones. And I'm going to make sure you get two, three or so, maybe four T-bones in your box. Or Glade, I'd really like a brisket. I'm going to try to make sure you get a brisket. Some people, uh, probably the most requested and not requested, um, they, it goes back and forth. You either love them or you really don't like them. It's short ribs. Hmm. My family loves them. If you love to, to put something on a smoker that's got a ton of extra uh, fat on it, you know, like, boy, it's going to soak those juices in and, and you like that. You're going to love short ribs. If you bought into the lean beef is healthier uh, scenario, uh, I teach my children we live off the fat of the land. So, I mean, we're eating yeah. but fat is if, Fat is a good thing. That's a myth. Yeah, yeah. You know, side note here, Texas A&M came out with a recent study here. Um, as natural products, natural fats are coming more back into in vogue, um, it turns out beef fat has the same composition as olive oil. Wow. We're talking about something that's unhealthy here and it's got a ton of flavor. So, but if you, if you don't want to look at it, I'm not going to judge you for that. You know, you're, you're going to want to say when you order special requests before you check out, you probably want to tell me no short ribs. I'll make sure you don't get them at this point. Let me jump in. You mentioned health. MRNA vaccines are a big concern about everybody. You don't use any of that in your product, correct? Here. And, and I had to, uh, I had to do, start doing some research on this. Mm-hmm. Boy, it, it just hit the news here. I mean, it hasn't been a year, I don't think. Yeah. It, it's been fairly recent. But to clarify, um, our position is my family, my children did not receive an mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. My, uh, and, and any of our neighbors and producers that we network with to provide this beef will not. And, I, and I've confirmed with my veterinarian, everybody, we're, we're not doing it. So had a great conversation with Glade. I could talk to him all day. <laughs> he's a but, he's a great guy. He is a in listening to him. You know you know what I thought. What's that? The American dream is alive, and it's alive in people just like that. Yeah, no, he's he's a great mm-hmm. guy, and I have to tell you, I I, I started using his beef because somebody recommended it, and then I said, man, you got to start advertising because 
This is right in our <laughs> sweet spot of what we want to bring to our customers or our, our viewers. So you can find the original interview, the whole thing. That was just a cut on information operation. I did it a week or two ago on CDTV on the main website, cdm.press. And go to familyfarmbeefbox.com and uh, start subscribing. Get your beef on a regular basis. It really is fantastic. Uh, Bill, we want to bring in Chris Gleason now. Okay. Um, it's been a packed show, but we broke a huge story this week. Thanks to Mr. Gleason a few days ago on Fannie Willis. He talked about it last week, but really the numbers came out this week. So welcome, Chris, back again. Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you for being patient, and uh, I appreciate it. Um, you're in high demand now, so thanks for your time. So uh, give us an overview again for what you found. So what we found. Um, Fannie Willis and, uh, and it's starting to look like Kemp. Um are definitely part of a nationwide RICO operation tied to money laundering and election fraud. Uh, Fannie Willis, she took in a lot of money that we can clearly see um, is tied to the nationwide Smurf network. Um, she, uh, <laughs> it, it's really funny because you know, here she is. She's trying to charge President Trump and his legal team with this RICO. And she herself is the beneficiary of a massive RICO operation. And, it, and it's starting to look like uh, uh, Mr. Kemp is also a beneficiary. So, you know, um, Mr. Kemp, he took in over 12,000 uh, campaign finance contributions to the tune of over a little over half a million, uh, a little over half a million dollars. Now, the thing that was funny about this was that there was no donor information, none. So there was no address. There was no employer. Um, there was no contact information. And there was, it was about 12,000 campaign finance donations. Hmm. That sounds a little, sounds a little fishy. Now, there's, there's a lot of things that sound a lot fishy in Georgia, you know, about all of this. And one of them is the judge that is over uh, uh, presiding over this case. That would be uh, Judge Scott McAfee. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but he's the former inspector general for the state of Georgia. And Kemp uh, appointed him to the Superior Court. Now, this judge who really has a um, conflict of interest in this case because the evidence that's going to come out um, with uh, Trump and all of these attorneys really calls into question uh, Kemp's own election and um, a lot of the elections in Georgia, especially based on the stuff that we've seen with the error rates and the uh, destruction of evidence. Um, you know, we have some significant violations of Georgia judicial canons, you know, because a judge is supposed to uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary. That's canon 1A. Canon 2A is a judge should avoid impropriety in the appearance of impropriety in all activities. Um, 
now wouldn't you say that if your uh if your guy appointed you if kemp appointed you and kemp saying hey there's nothing to see here folks on the elections that, that that's I what mean, you're talking about right yeah 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 i mean that that's a big problem i mean kemp shut uh is trying to shut down any question of this this narrative and you know frankly uh it doesn't hold water anywhere so again, for our audience who may just be picking up because our audience is growing, you found a nationwide network of Smurfs, which are people who don't realize or may realize that they their name is being used for literally, in some cases, thousands of campaign donations through Act Blue. Um, and, and you've seen the tapes of James O'Keefe going up to people and saying to an old lady, you know, did you make these donations? And she said, no, I have, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's the system you're talking about, which is a nation. It's in multiple states and it's yeah. funding campaigns everywhere. Um, yeah. Joe Biden, it's funding these PACs. You've got, you know, the Black Lives Matter PAC, the Black PAC, um, you know, any number of these PACs and order organizations that are tied to Soros or Abrams or whatever. You know, you've got the Fair Fight PAC. Um, which is pretty well known in Georgia. And, you know, we could see a lot of evidence of uh, Smurf activity there. I mean, you've got all of these people who are not employed, making, you know, thousands of campaign finance contributions. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't hold water. Um, last week, after we spoke, uh, there were um, there was a a Smurf in uh, my area, and I went and drove over to where this Smurf lived, and she said, "I I I I never made any campaign finance contributions to Fannie Willis." I'm like really, wow. And you know, however, what was interesting about this individual. She was listed as having contributed in multiple states. Mm -hmm. And then that led us to other people who were making campaign finance contributions in multiple states. So we had this one lady, she had made um, thousands of campaign finance contributions in Florida, Illinois, Wisconsin, New York, Georgia. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. some some serious issues here. Yeah, it's it's weird that uh, uh, you know some unknown person who probably, in many cases, you're saying doesn't contribute to their local community races, but is making contributions to obscure DA races across the, the country. A year ago, even you yeah. know, nobody knew who Fannie Willis was a year ago, and that's what we see. And so, you know, when you have, you, you have to, when you look at this stuff, um, we find that some of these individuals who are Smurfs, you have Smurfs at the federal level, and then you have local Smurfs and state Smurfs. And as we're investigating at the state level, we're seeing all sorts of crazy stuff. That's where we see, you know, what we found in uh, the Janet for Justice campaign and the Alvin Bragg campaign. And I can pretty much guarantee you any of these other 
Soros type of sponsored local judges, you're going to find that you know, these this network of money laundering is everywhere. And these uh, this criminal RICO enterprise and the money behind it is funding the destruction of our constitutional republic. Yeah. yeah. So, Chris, when we when we broke um, this story last week um, and uh, and built, you know, a story uh, around your work in uncovering all this, I think it's important that folks get a sense of, you know, they can actually look at the data behind this, too. Right. You've included many of the uh, links to the actual data you're seeing so that they can go in and see the same things. These are, you know, that they this Rico Enterprise has tried to hide this information, but it's there if you know where to look. And thankfully, you've put a lot of those links in these stories to be able to guide people. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny early on. There were uh, some folks who said, oh, your data is bad. And I'm like, my data is bad. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I go this. If you have a problem with the data, then you have a problem either with the FEC or with the state uh, campaign finance database, because I'm just using their data and we're just organizing it in a way that makes sense and showing and exposing what we found. So, and there's a lot more to this and we're not done, not by a long shot. No, that's great. So we, uh, for folks that want to look uh, now at more, they can find uh, your writings, your links, and, and the data behind the, a lot of this, especially the Fannie Willis and Alvin Bragg portions up on the Georgia record. One other question, um, do you, have you been able to get a sense, this, this is talking about the flow from these um, you call, Smurfs, as you have called them, folks that may or may not even know that their name is being used in this. It's essentially, in many cases, an identity theft uh, portion of the transaction, right? Have you been able to, to trace back the original source of the information yet? Or can you even talk about that as yet? Uh, the original well, source of the money, pardon me. The original source of the money. So we have multiple cases um, tied to this and we're waiting on um, some subpoenas and we're waiting on uh, a little bit more information. But what I can tell you is that we know that a lot of this money is coming in through uh, prepaid credit cards, prepaid debit cards, um, accounts with, tied to um, Block, Stripe, Cash App, and uh, a lot of Soros, a lot of Soros money hmm. and, other, and other foreign um, money. And as... Uh, as these cases progress, we'll get more and more data and more and more information. What I can tell you is this, the amount of money, you know, uh, that we're talking about is massive. We're talking in the billions, plural of dollars. So, you know, some people will say, Hey, that, you know, a lot of that's Sam, Sam Bankman, uh, free money. I'm like, well, some of it could be. Um, but, to move the type of funds and activity that I see with the creation of these accounts and how they're set up, you know, you are looking at um, 
you're looking at a level of sophistication that you know this isn't a uh, this is an amateur hour. <laughs> this is a highly, highly organized, highly, highly sophisticated um, global money laundering operation. Is it and, algorithmic, Chris? You think? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because that's how the, that's how they um, that's how they are uh, allocating um, the flow of money. And a lot of this, all of this is done programmatically. So they'll generate, you know, um, million, you know, they're generating hundreds of thousands of asset accounts and these prepaid credit card accounts, then they're funding them. And, you know, the, the big question, right, becomes why aren't the financial institutions doing anything about this? Why isn't the IRS doing anything about this? Why isn't the FBI doing anything about this? Oh, wait, they're compromised by a RICO operation. And so this is what we're seeing. So something that we really haven't talked much about, right, is the tax implications of this. The tax implications are actually pretty big because a lot of some of these Smurfs that we're seeing have donated or made contributions, you know, in excess of $100,000 during an election cycle. Well, that's $100,000 in unearned income. And that is, a lot of these transactions are tied to elderly people. Well, if they're getting, you know, uh, extra $100,000 in unearned income, you know, what taxable implications does that create? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no money being withheld for taxes. Hmm. How about that? Now, is that going to negatively impact these uh, these folks? Well, yeah, probably it could if some more attention is brought to it. The other thing that we're starting to see now is the level of sophistication has changed. And they're also doing this with people who are employed. And that's that's pretty interesting stuff, too. So they're adjusting their methodology. But we're tracking it. And, may, and monitoring it. And, uh, you know, we just need a, a little bit more help in doing so. Yeah, so let's put a plug in for uh, thejusticesociety.com. If you want to help the tip of the spear, this is a nonprofit. You get a tax donation, thejusticesociety.com, and it goes direct to fund Chris's research activities, lawsuits, et cetera. So please, please, please help out. It's, it's really needed right now. If you want to be at the tip of the spear, even if you're Kansas in Kansas and not in Georgia, or Florida, or where this is happening, it's likely going to impact you as well. So thejusticesociety.com. So Chris, this has been out there for some time. Uh, have you heard anything from the attorney generals in, in Georgia? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's not like we haven't been working on putting this out there to begin with. I mean, yeah. for like months and months and months. It's been like six months, yeah. because it's, oh, we're, actually it's from state we're, we're coming state. up on a year. I mean, we're really? coming up on a year here. We're literally coming up on a year. Because I believe... October, November, that was when we started ringing the bell about Raphael Warnock and all of his illegal campaign contributions. And, you know, so it was him and Val Demings. Again, this this nationwide network of campaign finance mules. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff with, with, with Fannie Willis, you know, we see a lot of, of these uh, illicit campaign finance donations made in July of last year to Fannie Wells. Well, what, what's up with that? You know? 
So you have the uh, governor Kemp ignoring Fannie Willis's behavior, going after non-criminals and political prisoners, but also ignoring this massive RICO operation in Georgia under his nose. Yeah, so, well, it's, it's the same thing as that they did here in Florida with with Ron DeSantis and Cord Bird and Ashley Moody. They're all yeah. in on it, and yeah. so at the end of the day, um, if everybody's dirty, everybody's clean, you know, and they're all they're all sharing notes. I mean, look at what they did in uh, Maryland this, this past week. They they want to hide voter roll data now. And they're making people sign NDAs and they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff there. And, yeah. you know, the, they took they got that from the Florida playbook and right. the gold standard of elections here in Florida. Who passed the Election the- Fraud Legalization Act. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's OK. We're we're, we're we are making progress. And, you know, to give everybody hope, because a lot of people out there, they don't have hope. You're right. And we are fighting. And people say, well, nothing's happening. I'm like, things are happening. And a perfect example, my case in Pinellas County, right? So mm-hmm. that case, we filed a motion to uh, set aside the judge's ruling, earlier ruling in my case, based on fraud upon the court and uh, new facts and evidence. And so we, we're waiting any day now. We should hear about my case getting reopened. And I'm going to tell you right now, the discovery that we're going to be getting in the case that I have here in Florida is going to have massive national repercussions in every single state. Every single state. Because it, it has to deal with the machines and how they've been compromised and the flipping of votes and the removal of our ability to cast our ballots and have them accurately counted, which is a huge problem in Georgia. And you've already gotten one scalp because the Maryland chief of elections resigned immediately, yeah. abruptly, let's abruptly. say. She abrupt, yeah. abruptly re- announced her retirement. And there will be more. There, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot. Chris, thank you. I will have you back next week because every week you bring more. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Wow. What a show. Every week there's more and more. Yeah. We'll be back Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> and uh, please sign up for our no ad subscriptions. We need resources. We are. We have reporters literally all over the world. Stay tuned this week. We're going to be dropping some massive global news on cdm.press. We need resources. Sign up for our no-ad subscription. Take care of your college kids. Go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code CDM. Get the best discounts. Outfit them with towels, sheets, whatever they need, bathrobes, slippers, et cetera. Make them comfortable in college. Promo code CDM. Bill, thank you. We'll see you next week. You bet. Thank you, Todd.